You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. Had authority to speak into their life. Important to understand. Very important to understand. I don't want you just to look over words when you read the Bible, but I want you to see something here. Is that the fact that the disciples looked at Jesus and called him rabbi, teacher, they gave him a position of authority, but they refused to understand his authority while he was in the boat. And we're going to see in just a second. They said, teacher, don't you care if we drown? (laughs) He got up, being Jesus, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Some of your translations say, little faith. Do you still have no faith? Now here is the thing, is the disciples in the boat, and oftentimes when we read these stories, anytime we hear Jesus, especially in the Gospels, interacting with the conflict, immediately our mind goes to the place that Jesus is going to work it out. You're at a wedding, you run out of wine, good news, Jesus is there, the wine's going to come. There's a blind man, oh, Jesus is there, the blind man's going to see. Somebody has died, well, Jesus showed up, they're going to be raised to life. So when we read this narrative, immediately our mind goes to saying, you foolish disciples, why would you ever be afraid? But Jesus understood the conflict in our life when the storms around us are are raging between fear and faith. And so Jesus, even though he rebuked them, what he was speaking into them, and we're going to see this a couple of different scriptures that we read today, was a command imperative, meaning this, is that he was speaking something into them that needed to be spoken past their soul thinking into their spirit so that they could be steadfast and move from fear to faith. Because the question the disciples asked Jesus was this, do you care? Teacher, rabbi, one who has authority in my life, Do you care? They immediately tuned in to the voice of fear and anxiety. Do you care that we drown? Now why is that fear and anxiety? It is fear and anxiety because they were not drowning. They stepped into a place, if you read it and really look at it, of an irrational fear. They saw the waves crashing in their boat, and their mind went to the place of saying, We know what happens when waves crash against boats. Sailors, people in boats, drown. And they said, Jesus, don't you care? But they failed to notice that the one they had given authority to speak into their life was sleeping. The one who they had given authority to speak into their life had told them they were going to go to the other side. And so Jesus got up and he calmed the storm. Now, here's where we're going to go today, is that we're going to look at the two voices that you're going to listen to in the midst of a storm. You will either listen to the voice of fear, and we're going to look at what the voice of fear looks like, or you are going to listen to the voice of faith. But you're going to have to choose, and here's why. Because it takes belief to believe in either one of those. It takes belief to believe in the voice of fear as much as it takes faith to believe in the voice of faith. 
And so we're going to look at that today in the Word. Let's talk about the voice of fear and anxiety. The voice of fear and anxiety. I want to take us to a familiar passage in 1 Peter 5.7. It says this. Most of us can quote this. If you've never heard this, this is something you want to highlight in your Bible. It says this. Cast all your anxiety. Some of your translations say care. On Him because He cares for you. And the very first thing that I want to say to you is this. Just because I think it's a necessary thing to say when it comes to understanding storms and trials in our life is that God does not bring these on us. Some of you have maybe heard that from a preacher before, is that God will sometimes allow. Listen, that, that's, not even, that's not even the right way to, to kind of think that through. Storms will come. Storms will come. They are not a reflection of the character of God. God does not lead us through the voice of fear or anxiety. He will not lead you. If you are in a place of fear or anxiety, I want to tell you something. That is not the voice of God. But God has an answer, and He wants us to understand how this works in our life. The word anxiety here means this. It means to be split in our understanding. To be double-minded. And we're going to talk in the Scripture in James 1. We're going to bring a correlation between this understanding of how anxiety works and fear works in our, in our mind. But anxiety works specifically. It splits our understanding specifically concerning the understanding of the care of God. What the voice of the enemy attempts to do when he strikes fear into our soul is this, is to isolate our situation apart from God's ability to care or bring us through that. That is what anxiety is. That's why a lot of times we struggle in the place of anxiety of going, God, I know, I know what your word says, I know, but we don't find any real peace. Because what the enemy is attacking is not the situation that's raging around you, it's whether or not God can care for you in the midst of that situation. And that's exactly what the disciples in Mark 4 were saying. Don't you care if we drown? See, Jesus actually spoke about this in the parable of the sower in Matthew 13, 22. And He likened the thorny ground to this. And this is what I want you to see about how anxiety works in our life and fear works in our life. is because Jesus said this, that when the sower sowed it on the thorny ground, it actually took root, it came up, but when the cares, it's the same word as anxiety, here in 1 Peter 5, 7, when the cares of life, the anxiety of life came up, that it choked out the word, now I want you to see this up here, making it unfruitful. And this is what fear will do in your life. This is why the enemy attempts to plant fear and anxiety into your heart to separate the care of God out, because if the care of God can be removed from your situation, then anytime, listen, anytime you go to the Word, you're going to doubt the Word. It's going to be unfruitful. You see that? See, Jesus made the correlation here in Matthew 13. And He said this, and we have to understand the way that fear speaks, the voice of fear in the midst of our storms, 
in order to know how we overcome it. Now let's talk about how we deal with this. How do we deal with anxiety through the Holy Spirit? 1 Peter 5.7 says that we have to cast our cares upon the Lord. And this means to throw off or to literally throw away the care. Now, now listen, I mentioned this just a second ago, but what we are casting is not the entirety of the problem. And this is where I think some people go wrong here, and I want you to see this, okay? Is that a lot of times when we're facing a mountain or a problem, or we're facing a trial or something like this, we say, God, I want you to lift this off of me. God, I want you to take the whole problem. I want you, to, I want you just, to, just to take it off of me. That's not what the Word is saying. What the Word is saying is this, is that when we're casting our care upon God, the part of us that we're casting is the doubt associated with God's ability to provide for us. So when you're facing a problem and you're saying, God, I don't know if, if, if I can get up and do what you've called me to do. Or God, I don't know if I'm going to get through this, this struggle in this relationship. Take this relationship off of me. Change my heart. No, the prayer should be this. God, change my heart so that I see your care and my ability to love supernaturally. God, change my heart so that I see that you are leading me in peace, that you have not given me a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. God, change my heart so that I see your heart and your care for me. I am casting off all doubt concerning your ability to care for me properly. When we cast our care, that is what we are throwing off. And if in your heart, when you get to that place of anxiety, if you can see this and say, God, what about this problem? Where in this problem do I doubt your care? The minute the Holy Spirit gives that to you, you turn and you say, God, I am turning that back over to you because that is the lie of the enemy. And what I'm receiving in return is the truth of what you're saying, that you will care for me. And the more that gets into your spirit, it will get into your soul, it will get into your thinking, and it will begin to anchor you in peace. Now here's the thing. We have to trust the grace and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit to bring our thoughts into order. Now I want to read to you James 1, 2 through 8. Is everybody okay? All right. It says this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because... You know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, without finding fault, without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded. Again, the, here we see this picture of anxiety being split in our understanding and unstable in all they do. Now, here's what I want to show to you. Because, listen, in the past, I've read James 1, and maybe like many of you, and you read it and you go, man, that's just like a smack in, on, on the hand. 
And I've read it like a rebuke, but that is not the context of this Scripture. The context of this Scripture is is an imperative command. And it means this, there are times that Scripture speaks to us to speak past our soulish thinking, past the, 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 the trials of our soul into the very intent of our spirit to get the implanted Word of God in us so that we will grow. And here's what James 1 is saying, and it's saying this. It's saying, listen, when we struggle in this place of understanding, when anxiety splits us and we feel double-minded, what we need to do is cry out for wisdom that comes in the form of God's grace for us. And the promise is this, is that God does not hold back in His grace. He gives His grace abundantly without judgment. So God is not looking at you and saying, why are you struggling in this area? Why are you suffering here? Why is this a continual struggle? Instead, God is saying, let me give you my grace so that you can see and you can understand where to anchor yourself on my word. Because when we receive the word, we don't, we should not doubt. We should not doubt. We should anchor ourselves to Him. Why? Because it brings us and makes us steadfast in Him. So here is where we see the narrative in Mark 4 begin to change, to move from fear to faith, where Jesus, after He addresses the fear issue that the disciples have, He begins to speak to them very briefly about faith. Faith is like a muscle. Now, okay, when, when I was preparing for this, I felt the Lord say something to me that I was contemplating whether or not to give out to you because it's a bit prophetic, okay? But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. In Genesis 26, there's a story where God speaks to Isaac and he blesses Isaac in the land of the Philistines. And he makes him prosperous. And then he commands Isaac, well actually the Philistines kick him out of their land because he's become so prosperous. And he goes to the wells that his father Abraham had dug. But the Philistines had covered all of them up. They had filled all of them, them up. And this is basically an issue of spite. What the Philistines did to Abraham's wells was an issue of spite. They did not like the blessing that the wells brought to Abraham. So Isaac, one by one, goes to these wells, and every time he undigs them, he finds water, but the Philistines quarrel with him and say, no, this is ours. It happens twice. And he names these wells contention and dispute. But the third well he comes to, there's no dispute God spoke to him and told him to go dig up the wells of Abraham. And when he gets to the third well, he undigs it and he finds fresh water and there is no dispute and he names it Rehoboth. And Rehoboth means this, room. There will be room. Now this is what I want to speak prophetically into you, into this church. That in this house, there was a well of faith that was dug. It was dug by Monty and Marla Hanks. It was dug, it was dug, and it was dug deep. 
And it sprung forth fresh water. And I'm telling you this, listen, I'm not yelling, I'm speaking prophetically to you. And I want you to hear, because that well, that well, even though, listen, it has been covered, is being dug up and faith will grow. Faith will grow. There will be room. And I want to tell you something, you must, when faith comes, make room because God is going to move. All right, now let's talk about the voice of faith. All right. Hmm. Yeah. Go to the next slide, Adam. Thanks. I can remember... I opened up a, this week a Kenneth Hagin book. Some of you are like, Kenneth Hagin, what? I don't care what you think about Kenneth Hagin. And I was reading it. And I remember that when Monty taught on, on that, faith grew in me. Faith grew in me. And it wasn't because of him. And it wasn't because of anybody. It's because of the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, that well is being redug. The voice of faith. Now, let's look at how faith works. Some of you, and this is going to sound elementary to some of you. Some of you have never heard this before. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Let's read this. <clears throat> now, faith is a confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see. I want to break this down for you so you understand this. Faith. This is the Greek word pistis. Pistis which means belief. Faith is belief. Faith is belief. Faith is belief. Faith is not the quotes, the cute little quotes you post on Facebook. Faith is belief. Faith is belief. Now, belief in what? Faith is, so belief is in the confidence of what we hope for. The word confidence means this, to be steadfast and unmoving. So God wants us, when he leads us by faith, to believe in something, to set an anchor, to become steadfast, to make it a foundation unto us, something unmovable, based upon the hope. The hope is the assurance of the promise. See, God's not asking you to base your belief and put your steadfast confidence into something that might be. He's asking you to put it into who He is, which is the promise, what He has given us in the Word of God. He is asking us to anchor in the truth of what He says He will do. We're going to talk about why. It's the assurance of what we do not see, the unseen, that by by which the invisible, the things that are invisible are proved. Now, now this is where it gets interesting because the question has to become this. Why does God invite us to believe in what's unseen? Why is God asking us to anchor our belief, a steadfast, unmovable confidence in in the hope of His promises that are yet unseen? I want to show you why. Why God moves us into the unseen. The next slide. Hebrews 11.6 says this, And without faith it is impossible to please God. Now hear this. 
Because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. See, the unseen of faith is going to bring us into two unmutable truths. Two unmutable truths that you must understand. The first is this, is that God is, that God exists. Now let me tell you something. This is an important thing to pay attention to. The understanding, whenever the Scripture says this, that you have to believe that God exists, it's not just saying that He's up there somewhere, that He is a deity. It's saying that He is from the beginning. Whenever the Scripture talks about the existence of God, that anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists, what it's saying is this, is that He came before all things. Now let me tell you what that means about the problems you face. He came before your problems. He established truth before you had a truth problem. Do you see that? Before in the middle of your storm you struggled with what is true and what is real and what is God's care, God already established it in Himself, proving it by Himself, and the fact that He exists. There is nothing that catches God by surprise. That He exists. He is true. He is faithful. He is from the beginning. He is creator. He is creator of you. He is the author of you. And He is the finisher of you. But not only that, it goes on and says this, that God is the rewarder. Now this word is especially interesting to me because it means this. One who pays the wages owed. See, God sees you and He understands that in the midst of what is unseen in our life, when He asks us to place our faith and our trust in Him, and to begin to step out in what He is saying, He knows, He knows, He knows that He has already provided a path uh, for you to come through, to get through. But not only that, He is the rewarder. He's the resourcer. The other day, during spring break, uh, we went to Houston um, with some family. And we went to, anybody been to Katie Mills Mall? Oh, there's a support group for, for those of us who've been there. And, and so my wife did our typical thing where we divided and conquered. So two of my daughters went with my wife and two uh, went with me. And we walked around the mall. And I told my little girls, I said, look, they knew they wanted some things. I said, I want you to go and, and, and get what you want. And so we'd walk into the store and... God bless them, they'd look, and I'm like, do you want it? Do you want it? No, no, no. I, I, don't, know if, I don't know if I should. I don't, I, don't, I, don't know if I, I don't know if I should. Okay. We'd walk out of the store, and, and then I could see them kind of like getting a little sad. I'm like, well, do you want to stop here? Do you want to stop here? I mean, every store. Stores that didn't even relate to them. Luggage stores. You want to stop in the luggage store? I mean, I don't care. Where do you want to go? You want to get, look, I, I'm, here, I'm here to reward you. I'm here to reward you. I'm here to bless you. And all you have to do is to say what it is that you want. 
And so here is how faith works. And this is the problem sometimes when we go to God and we think we're going in faith, but you're not really going in faith. is because here is the truth, is that you've got to believe that God exists. So first and foremost, you've got to know that He is true, that He is faithful, that He has already provided a way. But you also have to know He is a rewarder. But part of knowing that He is a rewarder is knowing where to place your faith at. See, a lot of times what we do is we just say, Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I trust you. But you don't know what you're trusting Jesus for. You don't know what you're trusting Jesus for. You haven't anchored your faith to something in the Word. You haven't asked God for something, believing that He exists, that He knew exactly where you were in the moment of your need, and that He is looking to reward you with peace, with joy, with life, with healing, with whatever it is. And sometimes we pray amiss and we just go, I just trust you, Jesus. I just trust you. I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there instead of saying, I know that you are the rewarder because part of understanding the rewarder is knowing that he is the good father. <laughs> and so when you come to the good father, you have to say, because you said it would be in your word. You didn't promise this because of my storm. You promised this because this is who you are. God didn't give peace because He knew you were going to be in a storm one day. God is peace. He didn't give love because there was going to be a struggle with love in your life one day. It is who He is. He exists. But when we come to Him believing in who He is and we say, because you're the rewarder, the one who pays, the wages do, and you are good. When I put my faith in the truth of who you are, you are going to meet me there. You are going to meet me there. Because you always pay the wages due. Do you see that? I hope you see that. Because you have to have a position for your faith. You have to have a position for your faith. The next slide. God understands the conflict between faith and fear, and this is why He asks us to step out into this place and to trust Him. Romans 12.2 tells us this, that there's two different patterns. There's a pattern of the world, and this pattern is, is that which is attached to what we see in our natural eyes by the flesh. Oftentimes, this affects our emotions. This just this plays on our emotions. But then there's another pattern. And I, and I want you to understand this because you're going to trust in one of these two patterns. You're going to ultimately believe in one of these two patterns. If you're going through a storm in your life, you are going to either trust in what you see in your natural eyes, what you read online. You're going to trust in... in in prognosis, you're going <laughs> to, I know you guys know what I'm talking about. If anybody's had anything physical in their body happen to them, the absolute worst thing you can do is go on to Google. If you go on to Google, you're going to die. That's the prognosis, right? And so here's the thing. I'm not saying Google is going to cause you to die, but I'm going to tell you the things you're going to read about whatever you're going through are going to tell you it's not good. And so that's the pattern of this world. That's, the, that's what we look at in our natural. And, and, and what guides that is our understanding of our, of our emotions. 
and your emotions are fickle. Your emotions are not rooted in anything that is permanent or steadfast. And this is what you have to understand. The difference between fear and faith is that when our emotions are rattled, our emotions change. There will be times when you're led by your emotions. You might have a good day, but that good day only lasts for a little bit, and then you'll have a bad day. And I want to tell you something, just in all grace and all honesty, as somebody who has struggled with this, as somebody who, who, who gets this, is that that is not the voice of faith. I'm not saying that when you get on your journey of faith, when you begin to walk in faith, that every day is going to be perfect and sunshiny. But God is going to lead you by peace. And the other pattern is this, is to be led by the Spirit. To be led by the truth of the things of God. The pattern that we see through the eyes of faith. The pattern that we will see through the eyes of faith. And you're going to believe in something. You're going to believe in something. And so God understands this conflict. And that's why He leads us by faith, even in the midst of our storms. And we're going to talk, just we're going to wrap this up and talk about some things we can do to grow our faith in the midst of the storm. But you're going to have to choose which voice you're going to listen to. You're going to have to choose which voice you're going to listen to. There's only one voice that is going to give you peace, and that is the voice of faith. There's only one voice that is going to make you steadfast, And that is the voice of faith. And you have to begin to lean into Jesus, to begin to lean into the Word. And I want to tell you, Justin, I know this sounds very simple and practical, but in your heart and in your mind, if you are going through a storm right now, and you are split between the voice of fear and the voice of faith, you need to make a decision and say, God, I am going to trust the voice of faith. The voice of faith, what you are promising The truth that you are, the truth that you are the rewarder, will not fail me. It will not fail me. Okay, let's wrap this up. A couple of things. Moving from fear to faith. Moving from fear to faith. Practical things. If you're taking any kind of notes, I want to encourage you to write these down. So growing your faith in this storm. Number one, you've got to hear the voice of faith. You've got to hear the voice of faith. Romans 6 tells us this, that faith comes through hearing and hearing through the Word of God. Hearing through the Word of God. This, this, uh, this, the word here is the, is the Greek word rhema, which means the life, the breath of the Word, okay? Which is breathed by the Holy Spirit. Now, all Scripture is inspired and breathed of the Holy Spirit. So anytime you go to the Word of God, you can expect the Holy Spirit to speak to you, that God will speak to you as you read the Word. And, and if you don't experience that, ask. Ask God to, to, to show you, to speak to you as you read the Word. But, but what I'm saying here is this, is that you have to specifically ask God to, for faith to grow in you as you come to the Word. As you come to the Word. You'll notice a theme through the Bible that carries from the Old Testament to the New Testament is that they continually remind themselves of the faithfulness of God. As a matter of fact, where we pulled the last two Scriptures from in Hebrews 11, if you read through the entirety of the chapter of Hebrews 11, what you see is a huge testimony list of God's faithfulness. And the Scripture actually says this, that those folks, Abraham, Isaac, David, Moses, I mean, the, the list is huge. Rahab, I mean, all these, all these folks that are mentioned in Hebrews 11, it goes on and says, listen, all these people, they, they, they went out into the unseen. They stepped out by faith. They put their confidence in the promise that God had given them. 
They never saw the fulfillment of it, but, but they did it so that we had a foundation from which to see it because the promise was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. So the difference between the folks in the Old Testament when they stepped out in faith is that they stepped out trusting the voice of God. What we have today, what Jesus is ever doing in us, and this is actually a scripture in Hebrews 6 that I would love to break down if we had time and show you and prove to you this. But what we have today is the constant reminder of Jesus Christ. And it actually says this in Hebrews 6, that that this promise is anchored onto these two truths. It says these, these two truths. The first truth is that God cannot lie. God cannot lie. But the second truth is this, is that God proved His truthfulness or His faithfulness through Jesus Christ. And specifically, the work that Jesus is doing right now as the mediator. It likens Him to the high priest, Mechizedek. I didn't say that right, but you know what I'm talking about. And what that is, is this is a picture of one who is constantly going between man and God, making intercession. And so in our hearts today, what we have is the testimony, the voice of faith constantly going back and forth between our heart and God. And what it does is this. It goes, when I'm in a weak state, I say, God, help me to believe upon your word. You are, and you are a rewarder. And Jesus goes to the Father and says, Father, Andy needs this right now. Confirm it. And the Holy Spirit comes back down and begins to touch my spirit and begins to rejuvenate my spirit and bring peace into my spirit. And anything that contradicts it in my soul or my mind must yield to that truth. When you hear the voice of faith, that is what is happening. Faith is growing inside of you. Now Jesus now Jesus said this in Mark 4. You of little or no faith. Now here's the thing. Jesus understood that faith is like a muscle. And if you grow faith, if you work to grow faith, it will grow in you. He didn't look at him and say, you'll never have faith. You guys are ridiculous. You're without hope. He said, listen, why are you still struggling in the place where your faith is not active? If you would just simply look at the one who has promised, then your faith will grow. Their outcome might have been different. Peter might have sat next to Jesus and, and laid down and goes, hey man, what do you think about these waves? Wouldn't that have been a cool story in the Bible? You have to hear the voice of faith. The second thing is this. You have to move in faith. See, faith is an active tense. In the Scripture, it's an active tense, meaning this. It's not a one and done. It's active. And so in order for faith to grow inside of you and for you to move from fear to faith in the midst of the storm, and I understand that this is difficult, but you have to move in faith. You have to use your confession. You have to open your mouth. If you've ever been in a deep place of fear or anxiety, what the enemy will attempt to do is shut you down in a corner to withdraw you into nothing. He will attempt to close your mouth. He will attempt to stop your feet. 
He will attempt to kill the fruitfulness of the Word inside of you. And the way that you begin to move and begin to move from fear to faith in that is that you've got to stand up. And you've got to speak. Why? Because as you speak, if we could just draw the clock back one more hour. I want to tell you something. Hebrews 11, it says this. By His words, the worlds were formed. Have you guys heard that song, 100 Billion Reasons by Hillsong United? It says, God, as you spoke, as the vapors of your words came forth from your mouth, 100 billion animals came to life. See, God understands the power of confession. And some of us look at confession and we kind of snub our noses at confession like it's just hocus pocus. But that's not true. See, it's, it's only hocus pocus if you're not anchoring your faith in the truth of the rewarder and his promise. But if you're anchoring your faith in something that God says, especially when you're going through a storm, using your confession can break the power of fear in your life. But you also have to get up and you have to encourage somebody in faith. You need to get up and do what God's asking you to do. You need to get up and begin to move. Even if it's a little step, you've got to get up and keep moving. Hope you're getting something from this. Moving from faith. All right, number three is this. Stay connected to the family of faith. Why? Marla said it so beautifully uh, last week. But just another encouragement for this is this. Is that you will receive encouragement and you'll be able to release burdens. And you need both. You need both in the, in the family of faith. But, but I want you to hear something. I didn't say church. And I didn't say church for a reason. Because you need to be around people who have faith. And you need to find people who have faith. And if you're going through a storm and you're trying to move from fear to faith, what you need to do is this. Is you need a place where you can receive encouragement and then you can have a burden released. You can have a burden released. That's the purpose of the body and the family of faith. And then finally, and this is probably the most important thing, is that you have to understand the patterns. See, just like faith, fear has a pattern. And when fear starts to creep up, you have to resist it in faith through the Word of God. Now, for, for some of you, fear strikes you in the middle of the night. For some of you, it strikes you first thing in the morning. Or it strikes you when you think about going and doing something. Now, I want you to stop and I want you to think for a second. We still have a few minutes. That thought, when the enemy drops that thought in your mind, he is immediately trying to divide the care of God and the fruitfulness of the Word of God off of your situation. And that could be something that is happening that is happening a day from now, a week from now. But yet, it's going to drive you into anxiety right now. It's going to drive you into fear right now. And you have to recognize those patterns. See, because it's not, you can deal, you can deal with fear and anxiety by faith before you're in the middle of the storm by understanding the way that fear and the pattern of fear, the way the enemy's trying to get you into a pattern of fear. And the second you begin to see that, and the second you begin to feel that, if you resist that through the Word of God, if you say, no, that's, that's not true. That's not going to happen. That's not what the Word of God says. That is not the care of my Father. That is not the voice of the One who loves me, knows me, and is a rewarder of my faith. If you begin to resist that, that voice 
of fear is going to get quieter and quieter until it has no authority in your life to move. No authority in your life. Listen, I want you all to know something. This isn't just something that I'm saying. This is something that I've, I've walked through. Many of you have walked through this. I, I know, listen, I know Marla's walked through it when she got up here. That's, that's why there was authority on what she said. And, and here's the thing is that I'm having folks come up to me more and more through this series and say, I feel like you're talking right to me. And I want you to know, I want you to know with all sincerity and all grace and all truth that God has given a pathway. He has given the truth of who He is. He cannot lie. He has proven it through His Son, Jesus Christ. And if you will lean into faith, if you will lean into faith, God will begin to make you steadfast. He will move you from a place of fear into a place of faith and begin to expand, expand your heart to receive more of what He is calling you to do. Why? Listen, you can't move in the calling God has for you if you are stuck in a place of fear. But when you come into a place of faith, God will cause all things to abound for you to move you into where He has called you to be. Amen? Amen, amen, amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank You in the name of Jesus right now. Holy Spirit, I'm going to ask You for something right now. Just with every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. Where I think that the Lord, you know, the Scripture tells us in, in 1 Corinthians that there's a necessity for the things of the prophetic to happen because it encourages, it encourages the people in the body. It encourages the people in the body. So this morning, every head bowed and every eye closed, if, you're, if you say, listen, Pastor Andy, I need, for some reason, the well of faith has gotten filled in in my life. Maybe there's been an experience that has wounded you, that has caused you. I, I, again, I, I, I do not care about the time. I care about what God wants to say. I know that there was a three-strike situation in my life with three significant deaths that happened in my life where the well of faith started to get covered up. Started to get covered up. And the Holy Spirit had to say, Andy, buddy, I know you don't understand, but I need you to walk toward the rewarder. And I need you to un let me undig that. For some of you, it could have been something that you've asked God for that you said, God, I thought you said you're waiting, you're waiting on a child, you're waiting on, you're waiting on a promotion, you're waiting on something, and, and, and I don't care how small or big it is, but you're saying, God, I don't know how long I have to wait. You're waiting on restoration, and you feel like the enemy is just scooping dirt into the well of faith. And that morning, this morning, if that's you, I want you just to create some kind of acknowledgement to the Holy Spirit. I don't care if you lift your hands, you get on your knees, I don't care what you do. You can get prostrate before the Lord, I don't care what you do. But I want you to say, Holy Spirit, undig, 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 undig the well of faith. Undig the well of faith. 
Holy Spirit, undig the well of faith in this church at Freedom Christian Fellowship. Undig the well of faith. God, let faith spring up. Let faith spring up. Let faith begin to spring up into the promises that You have spoken, God, for this house, for the individuals of this house, God. Lord, in the hearts of the people, God, let faith begin to spring forth in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, just begin to untrench that, that, that well. Let it spring up and let it be as, as it was to Isaac, a Rehoboth, where there is room, where there is room to bring the promises and see the promises nurtured by faith so that there can be a fulfillment of the things. God, You also spoke to Isaac that which You have promised his father Abraham to make a nation out of him, God. You said that You would do it for him. And so, Lord, I thank You, Lord, even for those promises, God, that have been spoken, Lord, in past generations, God, coming up and beginning to spring forth into life by faith in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, let faith arise. Let faith arise. Let faith arise. Father, for every person here going through the storm, Lord, where they're standing between fear and faith, God, I just pray right now that the rewarder would be present. Oh, Lord. Hallelujah. God, I pray that the rewarder would be present that the goodness of the Father would just be, Lord, saturate like a dry sponge upon the hearts of those folks, God, that say, God, just like the disciples, do you care? Ooh, God, just let the care and the love of the goodness of the Father just come and saturate hearts right now in the name of Jesus. I feel like God's just saying, I care, I care, I care, I see, I care, I care. You're going to the other side. I see, I care, you're going to the other side. I see you, I see you, I am, I am that I am from the beginning. I see you, and I am the rewarder. Look to me, look to me, look to me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.